Hey, 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 closet busters and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloseted. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the bold move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloseted. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. Well, hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family, and happy BD. Well, okay, happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> Here we are. We've got a happy guest who's just biting at the bit to come on and talk about all things. But sometimes on these days, we're like, well, why you couldn't read my mind? You couldn't give me the gift I wanted. You didn't bring me the right chocolates. You gave me the wrong color roses. You da, 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 da. Yes, it's that time of year where we're in, you know, we're trying to fall in love. We're trying to show some of you are like, yeah, it's the single haters awareness day. Let's just go there. But today I felt like this artist, yes, he's a pop artist who has a brand new EP out. It's called, If You Could Read My Mind. He's been trying to read my mind in the pre-show, trying to figure out what is this guy going to ask me? But his name is Jamie Adrian. And I'm going to let him kind of tell the story when we get there, but he was kind of a, well, pop star dropout in some people's minds. And then he rebounded, found his way back, and he didn't let the bullies like put him down. He's really purposely showing his point of view about who he is in the world and who he wants to be as a singer. And I'm just excited to see all the inside scoop he might tell us about how he's thrived and why this song is making such an impact. It's newly released, guys and gals, newly released, just a couple of weeks old. So welcome to the podcast, Jamie. So glad to have you here, buddy, even though we hardly know each other, but it's you know like a bad hookup. We hardly know each other, but you're here. So there we go. Hopefully you'll talk to me after this. <laughs> I will. I will talk to you okay. because All right. it, it, it's just fun to have artists that come on and they share their passion, their creativity, and, you know, share their stories about who you are and where you came from and how you got here and some of the knocks along the way. And I know you've had some knocks along the way, but let's, let's kind of roll back to, I'm going to make an assumption that maybe music was something that was always a part of your world. Maybe it was hard getting you there. What was your story to get you into the music kind of space? Um, I mean, well, I mean, I've always loved music. Music's always been my kind of like getaway from everything. But yeah. uh, my grandpa, my grandfather used to sing opera, so I used to listen to him like practice all the time. And then um, just, I just like it was just my like my one thing that I had to myself. So I started singing when I was about eight, and then. When I people when my parents found out that I liked singing, they kind of started forcing me to do it. So then I stopped doing it. I'm always kind of in and out. Like I just want to do it on my own terms. And uh, yeah, I mean, I can was, I can so relate to that, man. I played yeah. the piano for years, and I loved it. I loved playing the piano. And then I got to college, and it became for a grade. I'm like, this isn't working. And then I was at a church college, yeah. and it's like, and you get to play hymns. I'm like, this really isn't working. I mean, I love gospel and all that stuff, but when that's all you get yeah. to play or classical, I'm like, this isn't yeah. working. And and I can only imagine that, like, when you get that push, like, okay, if you're going to do this, you got to do it this way. Um, yeah. There's something about it that kind of silences your creativity, silences your voice. Did you ever get to feeling that way? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, it, it it wasn't up until maybe two years ago where I really figured out like who I was as an artist or even just finding my voice. Like, because when you're growing up, you're like, 
back in the 90s like you had to sound just like these people that were out now or if you liked female artists you you weren't a girl so you couldn't sing their music so it took me forever to figure out who I was but then it was either my parents bragging about it or my friends telling me to sound this way and I was like I don't want to do it anymore so I just kind of you know they didn't really let me figure out who I was they were telling me how bad I was or how I, what, I, mean, I, what I needed to do to sound better to them. So I just kind of, like I said, I was just in and out of it where I was like, oh, I want to sing, but then I'm like, oh, what's the point? I'm not going to be, like, everyone tells me I'm not going to be like people that are, you know, big but, artists But I now. find so this I interesting kinda... because there's a parallel to coming out too. It's like people telling you you can't be this, this is not who you are, you know, if you're going to do this. To... It's so interesting when you start to see the parallels to all this stuff. Oh, because yeah, for sure. We, we definitely, I know my parents in their own loving way were like, yeah, we want you to play the piano. We want you to become really good at it, but we don't want you to play that kind of piano. We don't want you to play that kind of music, you know? And they weren't right. bad about it. I mean, yes, they, my mom loved Billy Joel. So I always had the Billy Joel songbooks, you know, it's like, okay, go play this, you know? And then Elton yeah. John, which I love that. I mean, that wasn't a bad thing, but when it started to become, well, we want you to do this, but not that, this, but not that. I'm like, that isn't creativity, you know? Yeah. And I think that's a, a de definitely a stifling way to be in the creative world, especially in the music business, is when people, and I know you had an experience where people really said, well, yes, let's fly you here. Let's get you here. And then it was in its own way, some bullying that kind of yeah. set you back and made you kind of like, mm, okay, I'm going to silence myself. Yeah. So there I was mean, a I little show called The X Factor, right? Just a tiny show. <laughs> yeah, just a tiny show. That must have been really exciting, though. Like, this was something like, oh, my gosh, I, I'm actually, you know, getting to do that. And for those of you, I, I anybody who says, I don't know what that is, I'm like, you really don't need to make me feel that old because, come on, X Factor, The Voice, all these things have been around for a while. But what was it like when you're like, okay, I'm really going. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be on there and there's going to be, you know, the judges and all this stuff. What was the first thing that was started really going through your mind? Well, I remember, so X Factor UK is like my favorite like reality show. So mm -hmm. I, I've been watching it since like their second season. I mean, um, there's a girl group called Little Mix that I'm obsessed with and they won back in 2011. So at the year after they won, they announced that they were going to do an American version. So I tried out the first season and I got to like the final callbacks, but I just, I didn't know, I didn't know anything. I didn't know about like what they searched for and how they're looking for that personality and that boy, I just, I just didn't know. I was just like, sure. I'm just going to go in there and, and just sing. So then the second season came out and I was like, I'm going to be on this, on this freaking show. I was like, I don't care what it takes. I started, I got hired a personal trainer, hired a vocal coach, like just, like just focus. I'm like, I'm going to be on this season of X Factor. I had no idea who any of the judges were. I was just like, I'm going to be on it. So I flew to Kansas city, Missouri. And I was the first one in line at like 10 PM in like a thunderstorm just to be like to get my wristband and then i came back the next day and i had like a, a blue mohawk and i was like all decked out and uh yeah i auditioned i got through um all the rounds like this it was a, the easiest audition i ever did and then yeah. about a month later they called me and they're like oh yeah you're on the show so i think there's wow. like 30 of us that made it out of ten thousand. wow there. So, that's a yeah, big accomplishment good. in and of itself i mean yeah. i don't think people realize the I mean, I think we do intuitively somewhat know like what it takes to get through some of these things. You know, we all will watch reality TV and go, oh, look, they're on Top Chef or they're on this or they're on The Voice or whatever. I don't think they realize all the stuff that's gone on to get you to that those moments, you know. Oh, yeah. 
And then you walk out there and you're like, I've given my all. And I, wow, I got this far. It's kind of like the first person to ever get eliminated on any one of those shows. It's like, wow, all that. And I'm the one, I'm the first one to go. So whatever you feel like sharing, because I know it kind of was not a good experience. It kind of sent yeah. you kind of, you know, well, sent you to your hotel room crying and like, I'm kind of done. But um, yeah. what was it like, man? And you don't have to mention um, names or anything, but. I mean, I don't mind. <laughs> um, no, so yeah, so I mean, I, I got I auditioned it back in like March, and then I got called in April, and then we didn't film the show until June. But the the whole song, this, uh, I had auditioned with like a Britney song, Katy Perry. I sang in Spanish, I danced, I did all of that, and they loved it. And um, when you get cast on the show, they have you pick like ten to fifteen songs, and then they have to get cleared for TV. So sure. all the songs that I usually do, which were like Ricky Martin, like Neo, Jay Shaw, like this is like to tell what era this is. So super like R and B pop. It's just like nope, not clear, not clear, not clear. I was like, what the hell do you want me to sing? Like I don't like. So um, then they told me that uh, Britney was a judge, and Britney's like my like number one like icon. Like she's the reason I ever wanted to get into music and entertain. So they didn't. I mean, they never tell you what to do, but they kind of feed you in a way that. They're like, oh yeah, that's I should do that instead. So they're like, you should do Britney songs since she's gonna be a judge, and uh, she wants to hear her music, which obviously now we know she didn't. So I was all hyped up about that. So I changed all my songs to like Britney Spears songs, thinking like, oh my god, like I've been singing this my whole life, she's gonna love it. So then I get to Kansas, and all the instructions were: don't talk to anybody, just talk to Britney. Don't like, don't care what anybody says, just tell her how much you love her. Like pretty much telling me to make myself look like a psychotic fan. Um, so I went out there and it's like in front of like 5,000 people and you see Britney Spears and I would just like as energetic and as crazy as my personality is, I just went like white and I, I was like one worded answers. I didn't know what to say. You don't get a sound check. So when the music starts, you right. can't hear anything. And then they just kind of just went down from there and that's where they started getting really mean for no reason. <laughs> mm. But it, but it is one of those things that I don't think any of us can be completely prepared for. I'm a professional speaker and there have been times I have showed up on a stage. Like I don't feel, I don't know. I it just, isn't the moment. Right. And no matter how I try to recover or try to do something, my energy just doesn't hit. And then I'm like, damn, that really sucked. I mean, one of my very first speaking gigs was in Tokyo and I'm like, okay, cool. Here we get to go do this. And I, yeah. I always mark that up as the worst performance I ever gave and the best performance I ever learned from. That's the way I look at it. Because yep. from there forward, I'm like, okay, if I'm really going to do this, if I'm going to be that guy, I need to understand my audience. I need to yep. understand myself. I need to demand, demand a technical check. Cause that was part of the biggest problem. It was so unorganized for that event. And once I realized, okay, that's me helping myself and also understanding what actually pushes my trigger to make me suddenly like, I don't know what I'm doing, you know? And yeah. in your case, it, you were such a big, you know, Brittany fan that there, there's something about when you, you know, you're going to, you know, you can't wait to meet that person. And suddenly you do, you do kind of like, but we don't know that within ourselves until it happens that first time to make to really see it happen. So yeah. good on you, man, for like realizing that and seeing it. And it had to be painful. I mean, it was probably was really disappointing for you personally, correct? Oh, 100%. I mean, like my mom was there, my family was there, like they all drove down. 
and I just sit there and they're just like, I just, I, I had no idea. Like, and I'm, I'm always such a, like the lively person. I'm like, just always in a good mood. And I might like, they, they just, when I got off stage, they're like, girl, like you, your face was white as a ghost. They're like, we've never seen you speechless before. And I was like, I don't know what I'm gonna say. Like it, it happened. Um, I just, I was so shocked that like, they were just making fun. Like, not even, all she, all she told me was that my vocals were weak. That was it, mm-hmm. which is understandable because I did I didn't have voice training before. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't perform anywhere. I just, this is what I love to do like mm-hmm. on the side. So I didn't know what I was doing. So I get it, but it was, I think it was more of the other judges, not Demi, the other two um, were just like trying to embarrass me in front of her. Mm. It's almost like when someone's like making fun of you in front of your crush and you're just like, so like, yep. like embarrassed that you don't yep. even know what to like, you want to throw up. So it was kind of like that. Um, but I, so you so you leave that experience. Then what happened? Did you like? I'm done. Never going to do this oh, yeah. again. I was done. I was like, there's no. I'm like, I'm never going to. I put so much effort into that audition. Like, and even though I didn't know the correct steps to go about like doing the best, I was just like, I just put so much energy and so much of my like, I was so mentally exhausted from all that. I was like, I don't want to sing. I stopped doing even like uh, singing contests in the neighborhood. And I'm like, if I hear one more person tell me that, I oh, I should rehearse more. Get, get, I was like, I don't want to hear it. So I would just, I would just sing at work when I bartend and I, that was like the end of it. So, so what brought you back around the other corner to today where like, here you got a new EP out. I mean, it wasn't overnight, I'm sure, but what, what was kind of that inciting moment that you're like, okay, I can't give up on myself. What was the thing that did that for you? So, so it was like right before, like right before COVID, um, I'm a big Eurovision fan and, uh, uh, I just, I just love it. Like, you're, I think Europe has the best music in the world. So I was just, you know, watching that and going into the quarantine. I discovered a lot of uh, artists that were from that contest, and then I started seeing that there were other people, other male artists that do the kind of music that I do, which is like, like just bubblegum pop, like no, mm-hmm. like no messages. It's just like hardcore, like two thousands pop, and they're still doing it now. So um, I ended up doing demos just for fun. I was like, well, it's COVID. I'm like. The recording studios are open they're like isolated so i'm like let me just do a couple little things here and there just to kind of keep myself busy and then uh it was like december of 2000 no, not 2000 uh, 2020 um there's this facebook ad that kept popping up and i usually don't pay attention to them but it was for uh so fierce music uh with level codes record label and i'm the kind of person where i don't just submit stuff because i know i get it always gets lost in junk mail or you know sometimes people emails get above yours and they don't see it. So I ended up kind of digging to see who he was and find his personal email. So I ended up emailing him and like, Hey, I saw this, what's this about? I have this, what, what do you need from me? I'll send it to you see what's going to happen. So he liked my voice and we ended up uh, deciding to do a song together. So we did one of the first songs I put out and it got a, got a pretty good reception. It was, I'd never written a song in my life. And he was just like, you're going to do it. He was like, you want to be an artist on my label? You have to write yourself. He was like, you have to start growing we're not going to carry you to the top i was like okay so then we did like two more songs and then those ended up getting really really big like over like in the netherlands and sweden and it was, it was really cool so then more and more i was getting kind of the hang of the writing thing and uh we decided to do an ep which is gonna be like five songs and then he ended up um work started working with us uh, the orchard so like the sony distributor and they wanted somebody to do an album. So he's like, if you're up for it, let's, let's, just, do, let's just take you all the way. And I was like, all right, cool. So I've been working on this this 14 song album for like a year and a half, two years. Wow. And That's I love awesome. it. Yeah. So to today versus back to 
that experience with X Factor, do you think you've found a different voice or you've re-energized the voice you had? I don't I don't think I ever knew what my voice was back then. Hmm. I just I, I think I would just I don't know, I could put on this front and be like, oh maybe I should sound like this or I should act this way or I need to put on this like this persona, but now like I realize that people actually like my my actual personality and like like, like all the things that people made like made fun of me like vibrato or like like me always cracking going to falsetto people were like oh that's weird but now that's the stuff that like velvet loves to like mix and master and he's like you're he's like the quirkiness and the weird stuff in your voice is what makes you so different so it's kind of the built up my confidence for it and i'm like oh that's this is who i am like i don't i didn't have to change or figure it out it was already there i just had to kind of perfect it and execute it like the way it's supposed to hmm. it's so interesting because back in my early speaking career, I spoke at colleges and universities. Well, for the most part, I, that's where I spoke the most, but I did a couple of high school gigs and high school's tough because you're trying to figure oh, out yeah. what are the kids really going to do, do, do? What are they going to really yeah. lean into, et cetera. And, um, I was figuring out the brand, which has always been around coming out of closets, living your life on closet and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> but we were starting to shift the brand a little bit. And I'm like, I don't want it to be about authenticity, even though that's what coming out of the closet is all about it being your authentic sure. self. But I landed on, you know, my brand of being unapologetic, like um, just be unapologetically who you are. And when you were talking about that interesting thing in your falsetto cracking, it took me back to that first high school gig that I did. That was pretty good. Wasn't my best work, but it was one of the first ones I ever did. And the whole conversation was around being yourself being unapologetically who you're meant to be. But the whole title of the talk was about making your quirk work. And as soon as yeah. you said that about the falsetto, I'm like, that's kind of a quirky thing that some people would criticize, but somebody else saw the beauty in it. And I yeah. wish more of us would realize that the thing that makes us so uniquely who we are, which I call our quirks, is actually the thing that we should lean into the most because there's our individuality. Yes, we can say we're gay men. Okay. That makes us unique. I get it. But what else besides that? You know, what else is there? I, I happen to be a guy who was married to a woman and had two kids. Okay. That's not uncommon, but it's another piece of my cork. But what is it yeah. that I have done differently with this? I decided to turn this into a business, you know, coming out and being myself and helping other guys do this. And, you know, all these different things. Again, I'm not the only person who has done that, but, it's part of me making all these little quirky pieces of myself work. And I can yeah. be a vicious bitch on these podcasts. That's part <laughs> of me being who I am too. It's like, I can say yeah. stuff like that and go, I love that piece of myself that shows up every once in a while. When my diva shows up, it watch out the world going to change with lemonade comes into the picture, but <laughs> it, it's just one of those things that I embrace that quirkiness of myself. Most of the time yeah. people are like, I've never seen you talk like that. Who's Lemonade? I'm like, girl, she is my diva and you do not mess with her. You do not go down that hallway with her unless you're invited. And I, I love it when I get to have artists like you on who share these interesting journeys and it always comes back to some piece of yourself that you're saying unequivocally, unapologetically, this is how I'm going to show up in the world. Because if we don't show up as our full 100% self, we are doing ourselves and the world a disservice. And yeah. I think that's one of the things I love about, you know, kind of reading between the lines here, you know, just the song title that you have of, if you could read my mind, I was just like, 
when that got presented to me to talk to you about the album and, and that title alone grabbed me, it's like, yes, what would be interesting if we could really let people see our minds and accept some of the things that's going on? Because if we could yeah. see that in each other, I actually think the world would be a much better place. Now, some of it could be kind of scary, but that's okay. But sometimes revealing the scariest sides of ourselves is what makes the most beautiful things about us being connected in the world. So tell me a little bit about like, if you could read my mind, what was the, you know, behind that? Did you just go, bitch, just read my mind and we don't have to have this conversation. You're like, Oh, there we go. We're going to create an album around that. Um, so that was, um, first to talk about like, uh, how you're saying about just having to, having to like deal with all these different, like getting to know yourself and having to, I feel like I, I don't mind taking the shots for people to, or for me to go through whatever so that people can see that I made it through all that stuff that everyone's still going through. So I don't mind being like the martyr for any of that. Like, like all, like all the bullying and stuff in school and like even coming out, like you get bullied by gay people, by your peers because you're not gay enough. You're not hot enough. You're not skinny enough. You're not straight enough. You can't vogue enough. You, you, your, your looks aren't with Abercrombie and Fitch. Like, so I was like, I came out of the closet and I was like, Oh, but now I'm in another world where I'm like, I'm even worse off because I don't look like, you know, well, back in like, I came out like 2003, I think. Um, so I was like 15, 16. And it's like when Queer's Folk was at its peak and it's just like, it was another world to be like the, the yeah. ugly young kid that hung out with all the 21 year olds. So, but um, like I said, everything I've gone through, I don't mind because I, I, if I can, if I can, if people can see like the success I've had from that, then like, then it was, it was totally worth it. Cause I'm fine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, as far as a song, um, Velvet wanted to do, cause right now, like, you know, all these nineties dance songs are coming back and he's like, do you want to do one? I was like, Oh yeah. I'm like, he, he had mentioned some, but the first one that came to my mind was uh, if you could read my mind from uh, stars on 54. And mm -hmm. I was like, well, I'm like, in my head, I was like, there's no way I'm ever going to get this song. Like no one's ever done it, like redone it since the remix. And I'm like, and it's like one of those, the first three seconds of the song, you know exactly what song it is. So I just said it like, Oh, I'll do that one. I guess let's do that one. And he's like, Oh, okay. He's like, I know who owns that. So next thing you know, he's like, all right, it's yours. So then wow. I, we I recorded on the same key, so it's I, you've heard it, it's really high, and uh, I love it. And um, I think hearing hearing the final product back, I, it kind of like changed my perspective of almost kind of like <clears throat> like having a conversation with like like my like my twelve year old self. Like mm -hmm. this kid is like like literally setting him setting him setting himself up for failure. And I'm just like, if you can read my mind about what's going to happen, like later on, you're going to like. Like I, you're never gonna want that feeling back. Like you're just, it's like you're, you're literally saying, like I'm telling you, like this is where the hero comes in, and you're like, no, well the hero always fails anyways. And I'm just like, you don't like, you don't know what it's what it's gonna be like. Just promise me, like I promise you, we can read my mind, and you, it's gonna take off. Like just you don't want that feeling back ever again. Like you're just gonna succeed from it. So it's kind of like a, a, a reinterpretation that I came up with once hearing myself sing it. So that's kind of I think that was kind of cool. So like that is very cool. So I feel like you've also made somewhat of a conscious decision in your music to keep it at this enjoyable, quirky, let's have some fun level versus many artists, nothing wrong with it, trying to, here's my view and here, I'm going to change your mind. I'm going to you know push my lifestyle. Do you feel like you're just, I'm going to use your own term that you use the bubblegum pop sort of thing. Or do you see yourself 
down the road going, and now I'm ready to venture into like pushing an agenda or anything. And either way, it's great. Cause I, I have friends who are in the music business and they're like, I don't want to push an agenda. I just want to sing my music and I want it to be yeah. stuff that makes people happy. Yeah. I mean, like the album is called no agenda. So like, I think that's perfectly describes my, my feeling towards music. I don't like, I think growing up getting everybody trying to shove their, their views and their thoughts and their ways on me. I was like, that's eh, not my thing. And I always, I, I never gave into it. I was like, I, I don't want to do it. Even today, like people were telling me like, you have to be this, this kind of fan or this fan or um, when people find out I do music, they're like, oh, are you going to be in a jock strap? You're going to shake your, I'm like, no, I'm like, I don't, it's not why, why I'm doing music. Like, like I'm, I'm always going to be stuck in like 2000s pop, like where there was no, there was no real messages. It was just like fun music you could relate to. Mm. Like, I don't even really, I don't like to swear. I, mean, I swear in real life, like a sailor, but, <laughs> but in my music, I'm like, no, I'm like, I have little kids that listen to my music. I know what my crowd is. And like, like my nieces, was like four and like, I have a nephew who's like 10 and they love seeing my stuff. And I'm like, I'd never say anything inappropriate. And then also like, I don't ever want someone to go to the concert, like uh, let's say a show. And then I say something and they're like, Oh, I love the song until he made it not about me. So I try to keep everything super neutral. I try to, I just like all the songs on the album are just like, the only time I ever mentioned anything like specific, it's about speaking about myself. Other than that, I try to, when I write, I, I get the topic and then I try to make sure that, everyone can understand it and relate to it. And it's not a specific kind of person or orientation. I mean, I, I just, I just don't ever want someone to be like, Oh, wow. He's trying to make me feel this way. Like, no, I'm just, just singing. I just want you to sing along and dance. That's it. Like, I, I don't have any other intentions. <laughs> but don't you think the intention behind it? And I know, you know, in the pre interview stuff that I did, there's been a real intentionality around this for you. Like the whole no agenda of building it, putting it together, making it happen. It's It's been a labor of love. And I think for many of us in the creative space, a lot of people think, oh yeah, all creatives, they you, they really put stuff in, but sometimes they don't, they don't understand the back end stuff. I mean, I've written a book, two books at this point, and there's a lot of work that goes into this. And not a lot of it is something that none of it's happened overnight none of it happened overnight and oh. none of it is still happening overnight. I mean, as I'm pitching book agents and stuff right now, it's a daily, daily intentionality to make this happen. Oh. And so I know for you, it's very similar. I mean, you've pretty much have worked your butt off over the last year to make this really come to life. Oh. So what is some of the intentionality that you use to keep yourself moving forward? Is it, I just got to get this out. Is it, I believe in myself. I'm never going to let anybody else tell me my voice doesn't matter. What is the intentionality for you? That's like every day. Here's my motivation. Uh, I feel like um, I just want to like, I, it took me such a, such a long time to get to a place of like feeling confident with my music and especially my voice. Like I was the most insecure person. Like I would sing with sunglasses on because I, I couldn't look at people like, but now that like I've done, I've really stuff and people really like it. And I'm, I almost just kind of want to, there's two things. I want to show people like how good I've gotten at being able mm -hmm. to interpret things correctly and things that I want to say, like whether it's mentioning like Buffy the Vampire Slayer in one of my songs or talking about like, you know, people that don't like me for any reason, have, like they can suck it with the lollipop or I wrote a right. song called G.I. Joe, like just tons of stuff. Like I just want people to like, just be like, oh, he's really good. But at the same time, I also want to 
because I love music so much. Like, I listen to music every day, like, and I listen to the same shit. I don't care. People make fun of me. I listen to like 18s and S Love Seven and like, and I make and Britney Spears, of course. And I, I want people to be able to hear my music and be like, oh wow, these they, I can totally hear the influences from the artists that he loves in his music that's mm-hmm. interpreted and updated to what like how he grew up. So it's kind of I, I want to promote people that I grew up with at the same time as promote myself with like this is the outcome of someone that really paid attention and listened to their artists and this is what developed from that. So that's yeah. like kind of two different things. You know, it's interesting as I'm listening to you talk through all that. <clears throat> There's a beautiful homage you we pay as creatives, I feel like, <clears throat> to where we've come from, to the people who've helped us get there, to the people who've also tried to, you know, basically tear us down and, you know, break our spirit and all this sort of stuff. And as I was writing book number one, which was never intended, <clears throat> that was not where I was going. So listeners going, okay, he never intended to be a speaker. He never intended to write books. Okay, well, I never intended to have podcasts either, but here we are. So, um, but each piece of it was something that I revealed within myself. And since we're talked about, you know, you feeling like you quashed your voice and you just stopped singing and all this sort of stuff. I realized for me that coming out of the closet is something that gave me some of my biggest voice, even though it was really hard because I went through a divorce, you know, and all this sort of stuff and thought I wasn't going to see my kids, all these different things, but all the way through it, it's like, but this is my truth. This is my voice. This is something that needs to be heard. Roll down the pike from that was 1999, 2000, I guess about 10 years later, 2009 is when I'm like, okay, I'm going to go do something with this. I don't know what it looks like. I became a coach. Then I started writing the book and then the podcast came along, yada, yada, yada. I realized the power to want to go use my voice, Jamie, came from the power of the people who tried to diminish my voice. Oh, for sure. And every time I feel like, okay, down the dumps, you know, or a podcast isn't going well, like this one's not going well. I'm kidding, everybody. I'm kidding. I'm loving this podcast. Um, I go, but, but this is you getting to use your voice. This is you getting to do what you love doing. And I want to encourage anybody who's listening to the, the beautiful stuff that you've shared, Jamie, and those of you who are sitting there like, yes, it's, you know, national single awareness day. And I don't have somebody listen to your voice. What is your voice saying to you right now? You deserve love. You deserve to have what you want to have in life. You can go make it happen. In fact, um, I saw something in one of the press releases I was reading about you that it's really worth it to take a chance on life and keep shooting for the stars. And and some people would say, oh, that sounds like anything anybody would say. Well, I don't think, Jamie, you would say that if it wasn't really true for you, that it has been worth it to take a chance. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I've been been trying to sing for 20 plus years. And it's like, I just, I guess, I, 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 I know I wasn't ready back then, but now like I'm like, I kind of had my shit together and then it just like, and my job is so supportive too. Um, and like everybody's been awesome. So I kind of like, this is like, this is it. Like it just kind of fell into my lap. I sent my shit, my demo out. He liked it. And I just like, you know what? I have to work extra, extra hard. And you know, cause it's, it's not cheap. It's not a cheap industry mm-hmm. by any means. Nope. Nope. So much money has gone into this. And um, I, I just told myself, I was like, I'm like, this is it. Like I'm like 36. I'm like, this is, this is going to be it for me. Like, even though mm-hmm. it's, you know, age isn't really like a end game, but 
I'm like, no, you know, but but without the age thing being something that we say, okay, by I I want to do this by now, right? Yeah. If somebody had told me back in 2000, whatever it was, 10 or 11, when this podcast started as a different podcast, that this would be hitting 650 some episodes, I would have said you're absolutely crazy. Yeah. Now I look at this and go, this is pretty cool. It's not, you know, I'm not getting millions of downloads, but I'm getting a good chunk of downloads. And it's not about that. It's about being a voice and sharing stories so that some other little Jamie out there somewhere in Chicago hears this and says, oh, that's me. I get, yeah. I can do this. And no matter what the trips and falls and challenges and bullies or whatever it is, um, you know, I was bullied in school too. And I was a big guy. I, I mean, I've always been a big guy. I've been all through high school. I was like six foot, six foot one, big boy stock. Everybody thought I was a football player. I'm like, no, girl. I'm <laughs> queer. Even though I wasn't talking about it then. I'm like, oh, no, yeah. no, not me. You know, yeah. But yeah. Um, I think the beauty of this is really sharing your part of yourself and saying, here's my truth. Nerdy little guy. I, I was afraid. I was embarrassed by what happened. I let myself stop singing, but then my reality set back in. And if you hadn't let yourself start singing at 36 years old, where might you be now doing yeah. something that you're not happy doing plain and simple. Yeah. yeah. It's, and it, it's, it's like, I think one of the things that hit me was I have like, old, like I work at a gay bar in Chicago. So I put them on gay bar in the country and I get people from all over the place. And I have like, you know, guys that are older than me in mid fifties, sixties, where they listen to my music and they're just like, oh my God, I wish I had a G major when I was a kid. And I was like, oh, this is why I'm doing it. Like mm -hmm. it's affecting it for my, my, like my five-year-old niece to like 70-year-old men. It's, it's, it's crazy. Yep. So, well, and that's such a beautiful thing because that's, that's when, you know, a story like that is this is why I get to do this. Yeah. This is why I get to be present on the earth. This is, you know, somebody sent me a message not long ago, like, I just read your book and I'm, I'm trying to remember how old this guy was. I think he said he was 68 years old. And it just made me realize it's never too late to come out and be who you are. 68 years old. That's a big testament. Yeah. That's a lot of life to have lived before you realize I got to go be who I am. And so I think by you sharing your music, showing people that you can be knocked down and you can, you can go in. Sometimes we have to go into the place where, okay, I'm not going to sing. Because that's when we find our magic is in the yeah. silence. That's when we find our truth like... This isn't making me happy. And then to suddenly emerge with it and go, okay, this is where I want to go. There's our beauty. There's the things that's really, you know, amazing. So, well, yeah. I am so glad you took time out of your, your world, your life as this was in launch and getting out there. I want to just wish you nothing but the best of like making this even bigger than maybe your dreams and to keep going. And as you said, shoot for the stars, man. I really Really appreciate you, Jamie, for being here yeah. and sharing with my listeners today. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited. I, love, I mean, it's so, it's so weird talking about myself because I feel like nobody ever wants to hear me talk about myself. So it's kind of like surreal to be like, oh, you you care? <laughs> like, that's kind of weird. It is one of <laughs> well, the hardest you. things when we get in this space because I don't like talking about myself. Ask friends. They'll say, oh, yes, he does. Yes, he does. I, no, I don't. It's really <laughs> hard at times. Like, And it's because human nature yeah. says, and you know, I'll tie this back to our coming out journeys. When you have been told so long that you can't, it shouldn't be that. And then when you start to talk about, but this is who I am, 
oh, you can't, shouldn't be that kind of music. You should be doing this kind of music. And then when you finally take that courageous stand, which is as big as coming out of the closet about your sexuality and realize actually those things are really closely related to take a stand about your sexuality and to take a stand about the kind of music you want to do. They're both coming out stories. And you have just so beautifully illustrated that and um, shared, you know, how you can do the things you most want to do in your world, in your life and continue to thrive without apologies to be who you're meant to be in the world. So thank you so much, man. Really appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate it as well. Thank you. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end and it is time for all of us to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here at Life Uncloseted. Here's what it does. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people get to know what we're all about. And you just might help change life. In fact, if you really want to change a life, we'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think. So that's it. Love you all deeply. I'm Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted. And never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted.